scheduled in the bottom of the ninth. Look out! Oh, my goodness. The 0-1. Oh, that got him, and it got him in the face. Oh, my goodness. Well, after the little oh, okay. practice. There we go. There we go. So, that's it. Hello and welcome. You are up and in with the Chin Music Podcast. I am Nick, your host. Today, we've got a lot of trade deadline discussion to be had. And I think that's pretty much all we're really going to have time to cover today. We're we're short one. We're down Brock. Brock is on vacation, but I will introduce to you my other two co-hosts with me today. First, I've got the deepest pit of college baseball knowledge. Someone who is so incredible at podcasting that the only thing he does better is husk corn. Nebraska native Ben. Ben, my question to you, we're going to word it a little bit differently today. How many at-bats at the major league level would you need to get on base? Oh, to get on base. Yes. In any way. The, uh, but they're going to know that it's you. They're going to know that it's you, Ben Altman, in the batter's box. Um, 20-25 at-bats. 20-25? In that area. Like I figure if I, 25. Oh, you mean 20 or 25? 20 to 25 at bats. What? That is way too low. Um, I figure if I stand right on top of the dish, <laughs> you're gonna get there's it. a pretty good chance I get plunked by like somebody just throws me a nasty off speed pitch and just you know, like a nickel dolo like back foot and it just goes too far and it, it hits my knee. I my figure is- I could take a hit by pitch in 20. 20- I figure if I stand right on top of that 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 guy, like somebody's Rizzo, gonna hit me. Rizzo yeah, action. there's a good chance somebody nails me. Yeah, I hear you, but if they know that it's you, I think they're just gonna be throwing it ninety down the gut every time. Yeah, but I feel like at a certain point, like I'm working out in between these at bats, like I'm hitting with the team. Right, right, right. Like there's training going on. Like, at that point, like, you're getting cookies. Like, you've seen some really bad swings out of pitchers, and those guys get hits. Like, it can happen. So, with standing on top of the dish, plus, you know, I was an all right hitter back in the day. <laughs> I could swing it a little bit. So, I, I think 20, 25 at-bats, I could get on base somehow. Okay. Okay, I hear you. I, I – I don't think I would ever – like, I think I could go almost a whole season and maybe get on base like five times. And I think the only five times I get on base is when, like, the guy that's in there has just lost it and he can't put a ball in the zone type deal. Like, you see those at-bats, you know. But I don't think I'd put a single ball in play. I, mean, I, put, I, 90, I put 90 in play in high school one time. Okay. I, I popped up. Okay. The extent the extent of my baseball past like fourth grade is wiffle ball <laughs> and slow pitch softball. I, I did not play baseball after like fourth grade. I'd imagine so struggle. I don't imagine have, those would be rough abs. Yeah. I mean, I, I could like guess I could hit the cage and stuff, but I really I don't think there's any shot that I'm putting the ball in play. So I would have to either get hit or walked. 
Yeah, with a wood bat, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. All right. Well, next up, I've got the uh, greatest Valorant player on the west side of the Mississippi. It's a shame that he's had to turn down offers from every Valorant esports team so he could remain fully committed to our dynasty, Fantasy Baseball League. Please carry me out of bronze, Vansel. Vansel, my question for you is, would you rather be given a million dollars or 15 attempts to hit a bullseye on a dartboard for $500 million? Oh, give me the darts. Really? Yeah. Okay. How many bullseyes do you think you've hit in your day? I mean... I guess I haven't really count, kept count, but I feel like I hit one every other game. Maybe yeah, every I, three games. That's better than me. I think I've maybe hit... I've hit a handful of bullseyes ever, I think. I've Granted, played a fair amount of darts. Yeah, I was about to say, I guess I haven't really played that much darts in my day. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I have zero faith in my ability to hit a bullseye. Yeah, I think I could. I mean, realistically, I feel like if I was presented with a million dollars versus $500 million, I'd probably end up taking the million dollars just because there's, you know, a lot you could do with that. Right. But I do believe I could hit a bullseye within 15 throws Dang. Dang. if I really focused. And I imagine, so when you hear bullseye in darts, that's like both of those two inner rings, right? Not just the middle one. No, I think it's got to be the middle. Oh, really? I mean, they have different point values. Yeah, but I think... And actual darts. Oh, I guess maybe you're right. Maybe... Because I think it's the bullseye and then, like, the ring. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, if it's inner, inner ring, I'm definitely not taking that. I I don't know how many throws it'd have to be, but it'd have to be, like, probably, like, 50 for me to even think about it. Do you think there's a better chance of Ben reaching... And a major against a major league pitcher, or are you hitting a bullseye? I think me hitting a bullseye, but also I think that reaching base against a major league pitcher as an average, you know, baseball player, or I guess slightly above average, Ben. <laughs> I, I hit 430 as a junior in high school. Yeah, how okay. are your knees today? I was a little player. How are your knees, though? I had some NAIA offers. I could, I could have played some mediocre ball somewhere. <laughs> then I, I guess, no, I think me hitting a bullseye is still more likely. hundred percent. Yeah. Especially if it's like right now me. Yeah. Like maybe if I could go back in time and train for five years. Like, okay, I could, I could get a hit in 28 Bs, but. Uh, could we get that uh, win reality? That win reality VR and like have him step up the bat? That would be amazing. I, I mean, I guarantee you VR is going to get to that point, at, you know, within our lifetime. So I, I can't wait to step in the box against, like, DeGrom. I was under the impression that it already was and that, like, major league teams were already using it so that really? they could, like, see a pitcher before they face him. Well, I saw, I saw something like that, but I thought it was, like, just your regular old MLB The Show. They would watch – their pitchers, like they would go up against a pitcher and it will be the show and like see how his pitchers are moving. And guys would say that actually is like pretty accurate sometimes. I thought they were using this win reality thing. 
Oh, they could have been. I'm not entirely sure. This is why All we right. need a, a research department. Yeah, definitely. During our shows. Definitely need a research department. So maybe uh, high school Ben, or at least maybe like early college Ben before the uh, we started having yeah. the hairline woes. It was all the beer. <laughs> um, all right. So real quick uh, content update. Now it's only been a week, but have you guys watched anything? I guess I can start to give you guys some time to think. Um, I have been watching The Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. They just released a new season, which is exciting. Um, it basically is this defense lawyer. It's based off John Grisham books, and I really like John Grisham. Um, yeah, and I've, I mean, I've really liked the series. I love the glorification of defense attorneys. It's great, um, and I'm a big fan of it. So that's been a good watch. Other than that, I've been playing video games a lot. I've been playing Borderlands with my friends. Great game. I don't remember if I mentioned that last week or not. But I've got my I got my DS back out. I've been playing through Pokemon Black, which has been pretty incredible. I've liked it quite a bit. Um, oh, and I started playing uh, Super Mario Odyssey last night, and that's very fun, too. So that's pretty much what my days have been doing. I've got a lot more free time now. Last week, I was all existential work crisis, life crisis. And now this week, I'm done. I finished work on Friday. It was a very busy week uh, for me. I worked in the office on Thursday, I think, for over 12 hours, which was not fun at all. Um, but it's over. I'm done. I'm just kind of relaxing now until school starts back up. I do have to take the MPRE here on August 9th. But when I was looking at the class online today, it says you're only really supposed to study for like 20-ish hours. So I'll probably put in a couple hours every day for the next week and a half or so, and I should be all right for that. But other than that, I'm pretty much just chilling. What about you all? Content. What's What are we? What kind of content are we taking in, Ben? Uh, I started re-watching a show I watched a little while ago. It's by the same guy who did The Wire. He wrote it and uh, produced it. It's called The Treme. It's about kind of New Orleans after Katrina, kind of a super realistic take and kind of gives you a ensemble look, a bunch of different characters and different aspects of the community post-Katrina. Um, it's like not super fast-paced or anything like that, but it has like great music. It's pretty fun. I enjoy it. Um, really well written. So I've been watching that. Um, unfortunately, I think they like cut the last season before they ever finished it. So it's just like after season four, there's like kind of a, just a gap at like episode six and then there's no more episodes and it doesn't really have any closure, but, uh, what are you going to do? Uh, it wasn't like super popular, but it's, it's well made and it's, it's all right. It's mostly background noise. Damn. I don't think I've ever heard of that. What, uh, where, where do you watch it on what platform? It's on HBO Max. And HBO like, I Smash guess Max. from what from what perspective is it? You said I guess it's a bunch of different perspectives, or yeah, so it's ensemble. So it's like um, one of the perspective is like a attorney um, who's like you know doing a couple stuff with a bunch of different individuals, uh, like a disc jockey, a DJ for one of the local radio stations, uh, a couple musicians. Um, there's like a like these like certain kind of Indian groups in 
um, in New Orleans and they like do these big things on Mardi Gras and St. Joseph's Day where they like dress up in costumes. One of them's like the uh, the Indian chief. He's one of the perspectives. So it's, it's just like a bunch of different people in New Orleans culture and kind of political commentary as well, kind of talking about how poorly, you know, the whole situation was managed. So it's like, again, not super exciting, but it's, it's, it's well-made. Yeah, no, it seems, and you said you're rewatching it. Yeah, this is my second time. I don't have like much new on the docket right now. And like, it takes some time to look. And when I come home, I kind of just want to throw something on. Most of the time I have baseball and I throw something on my phone just for the background they're chopped on sometimes. I like cooking shows for some reason. I don't really have a good reason for that, but like it's fun to watch cooking shows. We uh, at the office, one of my last week, they let me host a Jeopardy game, which was a lot of fun. But I uh, asked the other summer law clerks like a trivia question that I could put about them in our uh, Jeopardy game for like the attorneys to guess about us. And one of the fun facts that the people gave me for the trivia was that um, if they could have dinner with one person living or dead, it would be Anthony Bourdain. So I don't know if you uh, are a big fan or know anything. Great answer. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I saw the Bourdain doc in uh, in theaters, actually. Highly recommend. Rest in peace. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm not going to lie. When she said Anthony Bourdain, I was like, I don't know who that is. So... It was news to me. I'm I'm a new uh, a new discoverer of Anthony Bourdain. All right, Vansel, what kind of uh, what kind of content are we taking in? Uh, I've started watching Peaky Blinders, which I'm a fan of. I just started season three a couple days ago. Uh, I canceled my Netflix subscription and then pretty much started that the next day. So I'm like at a race against the clock to finish the series. So I can hopefully not have to pay another 10 or whatever dollar. So that's fun, I guess. Gets keeps me motivated to watch it because I have an issue where I'll start a series and then just kind of put it on the back burner as I start a different series. Um, what else have we been watching? Some... Uh, Still some food YouTube, as I mentioned on one of the last times it was on. Also a fan of just watching cooking stuff. Um, I noticed you didn't say you were uh, you were watching my Instagram reels I sent you, Nick, so that's a little concerning. Um, but I, I watched them, Vansel. Regrettably, <laughs> regrettably, but I watched them. I just got to figure out what lane you're into. You're pretty, um, pretty random which ones you like. You've sent me a couple that I enjoy, and I I usually I usually try and let you know when when you've sent me one that I'm a fan of. Mm-hmm. Well, I think my reels got really dark recently, and they're not as fun to watch. Like a lot of car accidents. I'm like, why is this here? Jeez. Oh, well, that one that you <laughs> that one that you sent me was this guy literally like getting his arm ripped off by an alligator. I was like, I don't want to watch this. I think it ripped off. It just got bitten. Okay. Well, regardless. But I did I... watch someone in like a one of those like hydraulic presses or whatever that like generate a ton of weight. Their arm got stuck in that, and then it like completely flattened it. I'm like, I think that's enough Instagram reels for the day. Yeah, there have been a couple times where I've seen some pretty 
off-putting stuff on social media and it makes me think about just deleting it all <laughs> yeah i usually just i i think i closed instagram and then just kept refreshing twitter because i was near the deadline i was like uh, it's trying actually, to get all these trades coming in it's uh it's not called twitter anymore actually i mean i guess <laughs> well that's so dumb i can't believe they changed it i thought it was just a logo change but it's still called twitter no it's called i'm pretty sure it's just called x interesting i thought they just changed the logo to x you could be right i'm not sure but i know that now when i'm in twitter and i click into a different app you know how up in the top left it says like go back to whatever mm -hmm. it says go back to x or like it has a little back area and just says x gotcha well, in other news, they were showing Lance Lynn warming up before he makes his Dodgers debut, and then he dropped the ball coming back from the catcher, and then they cut, and it was kind of funny. That is funny. This is a big start for Lance Lynn. Yeah. New team against the Athletics. If you can't pull it together now, then I think it's time to be cut everywhere. Well, should we uh, segment, segue that into our trade discussions? Yeah, let's uh, let's start talking about some uh, trade discussions. I will say one last thing because you mentioned Peaky Blinders. Even uh, we had one. I had one little thing tee around the league. Uh, Cillian Murphy, the guy that uh, is in Peaky Blinders, I think, right? He's the guy yes. in Peaky Blinders. Correct. He's the main and, character in that show. Yeah, and he's also in uh, Oppenheimer. He's the main guy in that. Mm -hmm. I saw an interview with him where they were talking to him about Glass now, and like how there's a baseball player that looks just like him. And his response was, yeah, people always send me that photo, but, like, isn't it AI-generated? <laughs> he was, like, confused. Like, he thought somebody AI-generated a picture of him, like, on a baseball field. Yeah. I also saw that, which is pretty funny that, like, that's how similar they look, that he couldn't even, like, really tell. Yeah. But I also try not to watch interviews of him because it uh, breaks the, like, illusion of him and Peaky Blinders for me. Just yeah. like seeing him as a normal dude, not a, you know, 1920s gangster. So I try try not to see too many of those. Yeah, I could see how Peaky Blinders specifically, I feel like being completely enthralled by that character and not seeing other things is important. All right, well, that was the uh, that was the tea around the league that I had. Um, let's let's talk about some trades. Ben, let's start with you. Pick one trade from the trade deadline. <laughs> that you want to begin our discussion. And then obviously Vance will chime in as well. I'll, uh, I'll start us off slow, I guess. I'll let you guys handle some of the big boys. Uh, I, I Also, this is personal bias. I want to talk about Aaron Savali to the Rays for Kyle Manzardo. So the Guardians can't trade Shane Bieber. He's hurt. So they trade another kind of veteran arm. And they get back a top 50 prospect and maybe the best first base prospect in baseball. Um, so you got to love that if you're the Guardians. Also shipped Josh Bell today. So it kind of opens up playing time for him down the road. That's uh, Kyle Manzardo from the Rays. Um, and, you know, the Rays get a, a starter who's got three years of control. So I think it's an all right, you know, trade for both sides. Um, you know, the Rays definitely needed arms. And uh, I thought it was interesting. I think Manzardo might have been the top prospect moved at the deadline. And weird that it was for Aaron Savali. Yeah, that trade uh, caught my eye for a couple different reasons. 
Uh, one, if I think it more or less puts an end to Taj Bradley's um, fantasy relevance this year. Um, I think between Savale beginning to start and them starting to get some of their other arms back and healthy now that Glass now is fully back. Um, right after they had the trade go through, Taj Bradley got sent down to AAA immediately. Um, and I'm not really sure he's going to have much more of a role, at least not as like a regular starter for the race. So I think that that's my takeaway from that trade, which is kind of a bummer because he's been good. And I think he's made a lot of improvements throughout his rookie year. And I don't think Aaron Savale is really that fantasy relevant. Maybe the, when he comes to the Rays, he'll be good. But uh, he has a two, three, four ERA right now. Savale does. Yeah. Yeah. But like, what's the FIP? Is it really, has he really been that good? Eh. And he's kind of like an innings eater guy too, isn't he? Like he can go pretty yeah. deep in the games. Yeah, he goes there, deep in the games. Do, are the Rays going to let him do that? Do they ever let? He's him kind do of that? a Chris Bassett kind of guy. Okay, I mean, I like Chris. Bassett. That's the comp. I personally like the trade for both teams. I think it's uh, it shows that the Rays are kind of committing to this season and not just kind of being like a oh, we'll see what we do, but we're not really going to make any major moves and just hope that everything kind of works out for us. And then for the Guardians, they are able to trade from a area of depth and get something that they need in a young, controllable bat, which kind of probably frees them up financially if they really want to go out this offseason and try to get, like, another value bat. So I like the move for both teams. Kind of shows their, their directions, and I'm a fan. Very raised by, though, getting a guy who's got three more years of control. Yes. Uh, I mean, you're going to have Savali there forever. And mm-hmm. I kind of like Savali in fantasy now, honestly, to contradict Nick. I mean, the Rays always kind of improve upon guys. They have great pitching coaches. Yeah. And he's already been pretty solid. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we saw Aaron Savali as a nice little fantasy starter. As long as they let him go three times through the lineup, which they don't with pitchers hardly ever. I think they will because they probably need the innings at this point. Yeah, I Maybe think they're both in probably not in like the in the playoffs. Probably not, but I think right now they'll let them eat some innings for them. Yeah, I mean their bullpen especially is getting pretty beat up at this point. So I think they definitely could use all the innings they can get. Uh, Vance, you want to grab a trade? Talk about it. Yes, I will preface that that uh, trade was the only one where I really knew much of the prospect and all my trade reactions are more from the major league side so leading off with, perfect leading off with that i'll just jump right into probably the the biggest trade of the day was uh, the astros acquiring justin verlander for some cash consideration and cash considerations for drew gilbert and ryan clifford i I like the reunion for the Astros. I think that they were also a team that needed that starting pitching depth. I like how the Astros just run their organization too, outside of the the cheating scandal, obviously. But where it's like, you know, we're going to use what we have and go try to win when we can win. It'll be a fun battle between former teammates now, Max Scherzer and Verlander, kind of going head-to-head in one of the, the closer division races. They're only like a half game apart going into today or something like that, I thought I saw. So 
I'm a fan of it for the Astros. I'm a fan of it for the Mets too, because they're really not going to compete. So get some youth, replenish the farm system, clear some money off the books so then they can go out and probably make other big splashes this offseason. Yeah, I don't know a ton about either of those prospects either, but I did see a lot of people on social media saying that this trade is pretty much a big win for both the Astros and the Mets. A lot of people like what both teams are kind of doing and what they got in this trade. I can speak to uh, Clifford and Gilbert a little bit. So Mets get uh, the, the Astros one in three prospects, I believe. Uh, Drew Gilbert, first rounder out of Tennessee last year. Um, solid college bat. He's got some speed, good bat to ball skills, decent approach. Um, profiles is a pretty solid major leaguer. Probably not going to be a star, but, um, you know, a Brandon Nemo with a little more speed kind of guy. I mean, I don't know if the approach is quite that good, but, you know, like a solid major league outfielder who's, you know, an above league average bat, but, you know, you're not really going to write home about any one of his tools. And then Ryan Clifford, who I think is a little more interesting, um, he was a later round pick the Astros. I think he went in the fourth or the fifth, but they paid him almost $2 million over slot and um, got him to um, not honor a commitment to college. So he's been absolutely raking in A ball and high A, um, 19, so pretty advanced to the level. You'll see him at double A next year. And if he hits a double A, I mean, he's going to fly up prospect boards, probably be a top 50 guy easy. Um, if he rakes at double A at age 20. So a lot of upside with him. And then Drew Gilbert, super high probability major leaguer, but probably not going to be a stud. Ben, you want to keep going right off that and grab another trade? You are muted. Let's go um, Max Scherzer for Luis Angel Acuna. So, obviously, Mad Max uh, headed to the Rangers. Got to love that for the Rangers. They have some uh, pitching concerns right now with DeGrom obviously out for the year and Evaldi hitting the IL injury looking more serious than they initially thought it was. So, they go out and they get a veteran arm. And, you know, Max isn't what he used to be, but, you know, he's got a lot of playoff experience and – you know, I wouldn't bet against the guy. So you got to like that for the Rangers, a team that was kind of, you know, getting gained on by the Astros. So you got to like them, you know, going out and using that farm depth. And they give up Luis Angel Acuna, who's a pretty good prospect, a lot of tools, brother of Ronald Acuna, um, great defender at shortstop. But, you know, I really like it for the Rangers more than the Mets, to be honest. He was a pretty expendable guy as far as their farm goes. They got a lot of really good prospects. And they don't need a shortstop. They got Corey Seager locked up long-term. Ezekiel Duran, who they got playing third, plays some short. Um, so they're pretty locked up in the middle infield. Um, so I really like it for the Rangers. Acuna is a decent prospect, but, you know, I think, uh, I think adding Max Scherzer is a big move. Yeah, I love that that's the trait that you went to next because of what I kind of wanted to talk about next which is the Angels. So we've talked about two big acquisitions um, in that division. We, we talked about the Rangers getting Max Scherzer, and we talked about the Astros getting Justin Verlander. And then I think it's 
natural to look at the Angels, who acquired Giolito, uh, Reynaldo Lopez. They also required CJ Crone and Randall Grichik. And my take on this is going to be kind of two-sided. One, I love that the Angels are trying to win. They switched it up. They're like, we're not trading Otani. We're going to try and go all in for his last year here, more likely than not. And it, it's good for a couple different reasons. I think, one, it shows Otani that they're willing to go out and do stuff and win and maybe gives them a better chance to sign him in the offseason um, and keep him there, which obviously is good for the Angels to keep him there. Um, I just think it's just such a bummer from my perspective seeing them go out and make all these moves, give up four prospects and get Giolito, Lopez, CJ Crone, and Randall Grichuk all back. And yet the trades that we're talking about first are their two division rivals getting Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. Like they just, I like that they're making moves and I like Giolito. I like Reynaldo Lopez and CJ Cronin, Randall Grichik, like Grichik hit a home run in his first game with them, but it's just like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like they made moves that are going to compete with the Rangers and the Astros moves and what those two teams are going to be capable of down the stretch here. I don't get me wrong. I love that they're doing it. I love that they're trying to go all in and win with Otani, but I actually think the angels are one of the biggest losers of this trade deadline just because I think their division rivals coughed up more and got the two big names, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, who I didn't even think were going to move in this trade deadline. They were willing to give up what it took to get those two big arms. And I think that's what the angels needed. And they just, I feel like the angels kind of settled, like they were trying to get their feet in and like do all that they could. It just feels like a lot of, mid players that they're trading for. I mean, Reynaldo Lopez is pretty good. He's been a pretty good reliever this year. But CJ Crone and Randall Grichik outside of Coors, I don't think either of them are really going to be that great. And Lucas Giolito has been pretty bad this year. Maybe they'll figure him out what's going on there. I don't know. It's just, it's a tough scene for them. I got really excited because they made that Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez trade before the Rangers and the Astros made their trades. And I was excited for them. I thought they were doing what needed to be done. And then I just saw what the Rangers and Astros did. I was like, this just, the Angels just can't keep up. And I think this trade deadline kind of made it clear that they are not capable of keeping up. I don't know if Vancel or Ben, you guys have anything, any comments? Yeah, go ahead. I will say, I feel like this trade deadline, there weren't like a lot of high profile names to really go out and get, like last year, there was Juan Soto, and this year, I mean, the biggest two names are two pretty old pitchers on massive deals. So I feel like in the Angels' defense, you know, there wasn't like too many too many options to go out and get. But I do see your point. I feel like in the end, it will probably be a bad move for them long term which probably hurts the the sport overall since you know even if they do make the playoffs it's going to be a tough road to go and then they'll likely still end up losing out on Shohei 
And then now they're down four prospects from a, a farm system that probably isn't one of the more deepest ones. So, I mean, I, I understand your point, but it was probably a tough, tough market. I agree with most of what's been said. To be fair, their farm system is so bad that the four prospects they gave it, like I don't like like any of them pretty much. Like their number two prospect, like it said, their number one and number two. Uh, their number two prospect is a left-handed pitcher in double-A who has a nine ERA in like 14 starts. Their farm is so bad. Like these guys are most teams like mid-teens prospects, I feel like. So, I mean, heck, might as well, you know, sell the farm if the farm got hit by a tornado and it was like, you know, a couple chickens and a loose hog, you know. Selling the farm hurts a little less when it's that. Yeah, that's fair. And I guess I didn't have as much uh, context on their farm and who they actually were selling. So that, that does make it a little bit better. Probably a guy who'll be a mediocre catcher and a left-handed pitcher who is getting lit up in double-A. That's what they traded for Giolito and Ronaldo. So, I mean, I don't hate that for them. But do you, do you both agree that they're not going to be able to keep up with the Astros and uh, the Astros and the Rangers? Yeah, I concur. They're not going to be able to keep up. I mean, probably not, but, I mean, you never know. Maybe Mike Trout comes back and, you know, he is Mike Trout. They do have the best player in show. Hey, a little more depth now, a little more protection around them, so maybe they can sneak into the playoffs and, you know, maybe playoff Otani's just crazy, just homering every at-bat or something. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, all they got to do is get in. And hypothetically speaking, you could still be worse than the Astros – the Astros and the Rangers and still make it into the playoffs. Yeah. Wild card's tough. But yeah, the wild card is tough, but I think the AL East is worse than they've been playing. I'm trying to think who no nobody from the NL from the AL Central is really gonna it's just gonna be the AL East and the AL West going for the wild cards, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And the Mariners just sold, so they're not gonna be in on it. So it's really just they need to compete with the AL East. Remember Valdez just threw a no-hitter? Did he oh, actually? Yeah. Yep. He's really wow, that's good. crazy because he kind of got blown up in his last start too. Well, he just no-hit the Guardians. Well, it's the Guardians. So. Well, that's impressive. That's pretty cool. All right. Uh, Vansel, you want to grab one of the trades? Sure. Um Sticking out west, I kind of wanted to talk about uh, the Dodgers. Just, you know, the, the four kind of moves that they made, Joe Kelly, Lance Lynn, Ahmed Rosario, and they got um, Kike Hernandez. Um, I mean, I feel like it's a kind of a lackluster trade deadline for them. They had their names tied to some of the, the bigger names, like Scherzer and Verlander, but just really didn't do a lot. I mean... All those guys kind of don't really have good numbers right now. So, I don't know. It feels like they're kind of just keeping with their theme of this year's kind of just a low-key year, which a low-key Dodgers year is still obviously a pretty good team. But 
I'm curious to see what they're they're building towards in the future because they didn't really trade any prospects, any of their big name prospects. Well, just kind of added a little o- more depth. They're building towards Otani, I imagine. Yes, but I'm curious to see how a lot of their young guys that they wanted to keep now play out. Yeah. Yeah, I like a lot of their young guys, and it is kind of I, – I am curious a little bit. I know they always, like, do this crazy magic stuff, but they acquired some of the worst players in Major League Baseball this season. Um, like Enrique Hernandez, I think – I think Enrique Hernandez and Ahmed Rosario were, like, the two players that had the lowest – combination of OPS and defensive war or some, something along those lines. Like they had both been terrible offensively and terrible defensively. Um, and they acquired both of them, which I thought was interesting. I guess for Ahmed Rosario, they just gave up Noah Syndergaard and he hasn't really, I mean, I don't know what the Dodgers. His first start went well. With the Guardians it did? Mm-hmm. It was like five and a third innings pitch, no earned. He got removed because he got hit by a comebacker. Oh, they also had, right. like, zero strikeouts and only two swinging strikes. So, you know, I want not something to look too much into. Right. But I also feel like the more I'm looking at all these transactions, the more just, like, of a boring trade deadline I think it was. Just, I mean, the two big names, like it's, we've talked about already, for Lander and Scherzer. And then after that, it's just kind of, you know, some some uh, support pieces, if you will. But the only all-star traded was Michael Lorenzen. <laughs> Wait, what? Is that real? I think so. I don't yeah, see any that's others. Funny. That's so funny. Transition so. into Michael Lorenzen for Hayu Lin. Hayu Lee. Yeah, I mean, it's. I feel like it's a good trade for the Phillies. Their rotation is pretty good. He's an innings eater. I mean, I've obviously, I don't know. I shouldn't say obviously, but I don't know much about the guy they gave up for Lorenzen. But he seems like, I mean, I think their rotation is pretty dang good and deep now. Not that it wasn't before, but. I don't know. I don't I don't hate a Michael Lorenzen ad for them. Do you know much like about that infielder? Yeah, he's a, he's a decent little player. Not a ton of pop, but he has a really good approach. Walks as much as he strikes out. Um, good bat-to-ball skills, but, you know, not huge speed, not super impressive tools, but probably going to be a, a solid major league second baseman who can get on base but not do a ton else. Um, decent player, and, you know, Tigers need talent. So I think it's a, a decent ad for a rental arm and Michael Lorenzen. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, one of the trades I kind of want to talk about, and then after I talk about this trade, I guess we can kind of go into like general overall winners and losers, and kind of talk about why we think this team's a winner, or why we think this team this team's a loser. Um, I think the Jake Burger for Jake, I don't know if it's Eder or Eater. 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 Jake Eater. Um, that is actually the only prospect that I recognized. Oh, and obviously Acuna. Acuna and Jake Eater were the only two prospects that I recognized. I think this trade is good for both teams, too. I'm excited about the Marlins maybe getting Jake Berger and playing him a lot. 
I mean, he does strike out a lot and whiff a lot, but he's got like he hits the crap out of the ball. And if they're just going to throw him out there every single day and give him a chance to figure it out, I think that's kind of exciting potential for Jake Berger. Maybe, maybe he starts raking in a new park. I don't know, but he's shown the ability to hit the ball harder than pretty much everyone in baseball besides judge and Stanton and maybe Ellie De La Cruz. Um, and then obviously I think it's uh, good for the white Sox because I, th- I really like Jake Eater. I think he's a very good pitcher. I think he was one of the Marlins uh, better young arms, young prospects. And I think the white Sox acquiring him is, is quite good for a guy in Jake Berger that they don't even really play every day. And, um, they didn't seem to have much faith in Jake Berger, I would say. So I think it's good for both of them. I thought they won in that Lance Lynn deal as well. Really? The White Sox did? The Nick Nastrini kid they got back, really high upside arm, some control issues. But, you know, those Do- the Dodgers are just a factory for guys who throw 97 with nasty sliders. And that's what he is. If he can hone in command, he could be a three by next year. But – I mean, we'll see. I think that's a solid get for Lance Lynn and, um, you know, change. Yeah, we so just that's... had another uh, deadline day deal come in. Oh, yeah? What was it? Is it going to be players that we've never heard of? We years? had uh, the Brock Malone and the Matt Thiele making a trade in Dynasty. What is it? Oh, interesting. Uh, Brock acquires Jack Flaherty and Noah Schultz for Jack Leiter, Miguel Vargas, and Josh Lowe. Can you say it again? Yes. So Brock just acquired Jack Flaherty and Noah Schultz. Matt require, acquired Jack Leiter, Miguel Vargas, and Josh Lowe. Not bad. I really like Miguel Vargas personally. I don't know how he's been doing since he got optioned. Um, his, his he had really good contact rates in the big leagues, but just I think his average exit below was like eighty-five miles an hour, which is just like you just can't survive at the big leagues, only hitting the ball that hard. Yeah, he's got really good uh, plate discipline. I don't know. I, I like to move from Matt. What'd you say? I like to move from Matt. I like it too. I, I'm not sure how much value Jack Flaherty really has, if I'm being completely honest. I guess I think, maybe uh, he's, he's hoping Brock's that desperate like, for pitching, right? Yeah, and maybe he's hoping that like a change of venue, like mm-hmm. Jack kind of figures it out. Which you know, I, I it's maybe not a bad bet, but I I, I think the main function is to clear roster space. Really to consolidate, get a few guys you like and return for some guys you don't, you know, yeah. opens up the roster spot. We got the draft coming up. I guess I don't know much about Noah Schultz either. Fast rising prospect. Really? Six foot 10 lefty for the White Sox. Hasn't allowed a run in like 20 innings of a ball, striking out a bunch of people throwing upper nineties with a plus plus slider. He, Looks like Randy Johnson. Jesus. Yeah. He has a one eight three ERA and eight starts, nineteen and two thirds innings at A ball. 
19 years old. How many Ks? Uh, where is it? Well, you said eight starts in innings. Yeah, keeping him limited. Yeah, I was about to say it's like two innings to start. Yes. Nasty stuff. Well, I think that's. I I I guess I am biased because I really like Vargas. And I think my personal opinion in Dynasty speaking, those are my favorite trade targets are the prospects, like pretty good prospects that have come up and like the prospect hype is kind of dead and maybe they have a bad like first couple months. Like those are some of my favorite trade targets in Dynasty. I'm trying to think of some other examples of guys he does have a, a thousand OPS at Triple A this season. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of other examples. Like Grayson Rodriguez would have been a really good trade target when he got sent back down, I think. Yeah, I wasn't to... him. Yeah, and I figured that you weren't. But I, I felt like he's a pretty good oh, like Volpe right now, I feel like is a good trade target. Yeah, I just traded for him. Yeah. Like th- those are the exact kind of guys in Dynasty that I love trading for. The big hyper yeah. prospects that make it to the majors very young and aren't necessarily performing very well. The prospect type has died down and people get down and negative on them. And Vargas, Vargas isn't necessarily maybe in that like, I mean, I feel like Vargas is a pretty big prospect. I don't know. Yeah, he, I like he was. Yeah, yeah I, I like that trade target. I'm I agree to... if there's like a portion of the advanced like metrics of their game that shows they can be a really quality hitter. But if I see like a top prospect and you look at his like his numbers, like his like advanced numbers, and like he's just not doing anything well, I'm not touching that guy. But a guy like Volpe with the you know low ground ball rate, bunch of line drives, bunch of fly balls, that's a good profile for fantasy. Um, you know, a guy like Gunnar Henderson when you bought him, huge hard hit rates and huge walk rate, just yeah. hadn't quite put it all together. Like those are the guys you got to target is the guys who have like clear big talents in certain areas that you know profile well as like big category contributors um but if if a guy is showing nothing i mean i think it's hard not to dump him yeah i just i'm looking at vargas right now like being great contact yeah being 23 years old in the majors and having a 20 percent k rate and a 12 percent walk rate is insane yeah, and those are really those are the exact kind of guys that I like. You know, I mean, I like, you know, Vinny P and Lars Newpar, like the guys that are going to walk a ton and not strike out. They rarely hurt you. Yeah, exactly. And I just I really like those guys. All right, let's talk about uh, some winners and losers from the trade deadline. I kind of already talked about the Angels. I think it's just because I think other teams in their division are just doing more than they are, and it does kind of suck, but. Unfortunately, I do think the Angels are a little bit of a loser. Um, I think another loser is the Giants. I don't think the Giants did much of anything at the trade deadline. They got A.J. Pollock, which, okay, I I don't know what you're doing there. But they're, like, in the middle of a division race. Like, they rattled off, like, six – I don't know how they do it. But they rattled off, like, six or seven wins in a row a couple weeks ago. And they're, like, right there in their division. Their division's really good. And they just did not do anything this deadline. I also saw a report 
this is also why they're a loser. <laughs> I saw a report that said that I guess they refused. Um, the Mets obviously were fire sailing at this deadline and getting rid of everybody. Um, they were trying to get rid of Tommy Pham and they contacted the Giants. And I guess the Giants said, no, we don't want Tommy Pham because he had yeah. some, some yeah. violence. They were like, he has violence in his past. And I guess it's because he slapped Jock Peterson on the field. They're like, we see that as an assault. And it's like, and they, and I think the exact quote was something like, the Giants don't tolerate anyone with any sort of violent past. They're like, we won't have any players with any domestic violence. It's like, okay, I totally support that. Like, that's cool. Like, that's, that's a good, if a team really, like, wants to have that value, like, I love that. But the Giants CEO was on probation for, like, an extended period of time because he had a domestic violence where he, in public, assaulted his wife. In public. Like, if he's doing that in public, think about the stuff that he's doing behind. It's just crazy that an organization that has a CEO like that is saying that, oh, we're not going to trade for Tommy Pham because he slapped Jock Peterson in warm-ups one time. It's like, no, that's absurd. Dude, you could just say it was bad for vibes. You didn't need to, like, like... Yeah, you didn't exactly. Have to say it was that. Yeah, I mean that's just that's absurd. I mean I understand. I guess. I okay. A couple things that I want to kind of say here. One, if a team takes a stance that they won't sign anybody that has any sort of domestic violence or anything, I think that's great. I think maybe more teams should do that, and then maybe it'll like become a league thing. But I don't have any confidence in that happening. But to be a team that has a CEO that has a domestic violence incident that was like publicly witnessed by a lot of people and like 100% proven is absurd to be the team that is the one that's doing that. Second, I think it probably is more of like a, I don't think people in the major in major league baseball, like Tommy Pham. I don't think really anybody likes Tommy Pham. And I think this was probably just their way of getting around, you know, having Tommy Pham on their team. I don't think, that would be necessarily good for a majority of teams in baseball. I think he just kind of sucks. Um, but I don't think that the way they did it was the way to like announce that you're not interested in trading for Tommy Pham, given the circumstances of their team. But the reason why I'm talking about this is because they traded for AJ Pollock, who is an absolute nobody at this point, And they need more bats in that lineup if they want to try and compete with the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. I don't know. I think the Giants totally whiffed on this trade deadline. And it was, it's crazy when they're like right there in their division, they always find a way to compete that they're going to let, you know, the other teams in their division just kind of run away with it, I think. Um, so that's my biggest loser. Um, I don't know if you guys want to talk about a loser and then we can each go to some winners. Ben, you got a loser? Um, kind of tough to say. I guess I'll go with my instinct. I didn't love what the Rays did. Um, Aaron Savali for Manzardo, I don't love. I mean, Savali's the young, controllable pitcher, but do I want him starting playoff games for me? Not really. So... I don't love that part of it, but I know it's the Rays, so the cheap contract definitely plays into that. And they had a backlog at first base, so 
it does make sense, but I like Manzardo as a prospect a lot. Uh, I've talked about him before, Vinny P type profile, probably going to hit 2025. 20, really love that kid for the Guardians. I'll talk about that later with my winners. Um, but yeah, didn't love what the Rays did. Also had to give Luis Patino away um, for cash. Um, kind of a busted arm prospect, but still a lot of upside. It's like he's out of their system too now, which I don't know. It was kind of weird, but yeah, I don't, I don't exactly love what the Rays did. I don't really see them as a team that addressed what they needed to do at the deadline, you know, as you know, they're really scuffling. Vance, you got any losers? I didn't realize I was muted. Um, I guess they're not like a big loser, but I, it was more I was just disappointed with them. I would say that the, the Mariners for me, I just feel like they're, they're a fun team that just didn't really do much. They just got – I feel like they got rid of some dead weight, like in, in the form of Pollock and whatnot. But, I mean, they're three games out of the wild card right now. And so, like – roughly the same position of the Angels if you really think about it. But they just didn't really make any moves. They didn't really, like, I don't know. I, I just heard their name come up in a lot of trade talks. I wish they either, like, would have kind of set up better for next year or went for it more this year kind of deal. But they just kind of just stayed put, especially whenever I feel like they're known for making trades too. Yeah, there was they traded their closer too, which I think for fantasy purposes, Munoz, the guy that's gonna step up and be their closer now, is about to be a really good closer mm-hmm. um in in dynasty or not in dynasty, just in fantasy in general. Um so they got they got rid of Seawalt, which I thought was I don't really know any of those guys that they got. I know Josh Rojas, he sounds familiar, but I don't know Dominic Canzone or Ryan Bliss Bliss. I don't know either of those guys. I don't know if Ben, you have any insight as to there. But also, uh, go ahead. Ross has been a big leaguer for a few years. Good defender, has some speed, not a lot of pop. Good, like, MLB bench player, utility guy. Calzone, kind of a power-hitting corner infielder. K's too much, but hasn't really gotten proper run. Um, that's all I know about those two guys. They're They're probably big league players, but not stars. I mean, that's a lot of what gets traded at the deadline. Yeah, it is. It's kind of weird. Like what Vansel just said, they're in the same spot almost as the Angels, but went the selling route instead of the buying route, it seems. I think I personally, if I was on a team that's like three, three spots out of a wild card or three games out of a wild card and you sell your closer, like I feel like I would be upset being on that team. I don't know. It seems like you're giving up when you don't really have any necessarily reason to give up quite yet. I mean, from my perspective, a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking the Cardinals, like, we're still in a position to maybe buy. So maybe I'm just, like, crazy in a sense that, I mean, I think you always kind of have a chance, and maybe I'd miss out on a lot of value if I was a major league, you know, major league GM but 
I don't know. I think it's crazy to sell off your closer when you're three games out of a wild card spot. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Ben. And I know Vance, you just said they're a loser, so I imagine you don't like it. But what do you think about them like selling the closer when they're right there? I mean, they have Munoz coming back, right? Yeah, I guess that's fair. So they had two closers. They sold one of them, the one who's under contract for less time, and who I honestly like less. I like I. I mean, I like Munoz as a pitcher better than Sewald. I like I like Munoz better too, but still, so having Seawald as a like setup man is obviously very valuable for a playoff team. Correct, correct. However, like I don't know, they need bats. They got two guys who are pretty much big league ready. One of them who's been a big leaguer for years and it's going to fill that hole at second base. So, like, is it a sell there? Because Colton Wong is worth like negative one and a half WAR. Like, he's been horrible. So Josh yeah, Rojas cool. is an immediate improvement there, and you get. A, you know, a guy who could play, you know, first or third for you, DH a little bit, who's got some pop, maybe a little more upside. I mean, I don't hate the move for the Mariners, to be honest with you. And I don't think it's a full sell type move, given that you get Rojas back to play second and knowing you have Munoz coming back to lock down the back end. I mean, it is a little bit of a sell, but I, I kind of like the move. All right, now we can move on to winners. Um, I guess I don't necessarily have a winner that comes directly to mind. I mean, I think the Rangers, the Rangers added a lot of really good things. Actually, I think just the Rangers. They gave up a decent amount, obviously. But if we throw it all the way back and we think about including the trade where the Rangers got Aroldis Chapman, who has obviously looked very good for them. So they got Aroldis Chapman. They got Max Scherzer. Um, they picked up some other people. Did we have a trade with the Rangers? Yes, no, they got Jordan Montgomery, Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton as well. I think between Montgomery, Max Scherzer, and Aroldis Chapman, that that's a really good haul for a team that wants to compete for the World Series this year. I mean, that's two arms. I think Montgomery is honestly pretty reliable right now. Um, Stratton was our best reliever this year, who obviously, like, that's, a, that's a, good, a good looking arm to add to your bullpen. Max Scherzer, obviously, multi-Cy Young winner, just amazing pitcher. And Aroldis Chapman looks like he's older Aroldis Chapman again. So I think I had the Rangers in my World Series at the beginning of the year. And I think I like all that they did at this trade deadline. Like, they made the big moves that they needed to make. And it's just it's just fun seeing a team do that. Like, I just know that the Cardinals – the Cardinals I don't think will ever at the trade deadline pull that many big, you know, impact players that are going to really impact your uh, World Series run that much. But, like, just between – Chapman, Montgomery, Scherzer, and uh, Chris Stratton. That's uh, that's pretty exciting. I guess they had to give up Acuna. I, I don't really know a bunch about the players that we got in the Montgomery-Chris Stratton trade, but I've heard good things about, is it Roby? Tacoa yep, Roby. Roby. I've heard pretty good things about him. I heard that he's pretty much going to slot in as a Cardinals like top five prospect almost immediately, which is exciting. Um. 
But even the Jordan Montgomery, I don't think is a rental, right? They still have Jordan Montgomery next year, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm I could pretty be sure wrong. he's a free agent. Oh, he might be a free agent. Okay. Well, I, I think I, I, I still like that. Like, they're going in this year. And I think, I don't know. It's exciting. And I wish that, like, being a fan of the Rangers right now, when they just went out and got all these big names, I think that that's got to be fun. What about a winner? Vance, you got any big winners in the trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, I do like the moves that the Cardinals made, and I would like to talk about them on this one. Um, but I'm a fan of what they did, considering that a lot of those players really didn't have like a ton of value since they are all rentals. Like, it, and you know, some of them, a lot of them are pretty inconsistent performers as well, and really aren't probably valued super highly. So I feel like. They did a good job at going out. You know, they aren't necessarily guys that will be impact players in 2024, but it adds that depth that they said that they were looking for, which we kind of lacked in our farm system. And I mean, to get any kind of value back instead of nothing, I think is always going to be a win. I will say, you know, we didn't really move one of our outfielders or anything like that, but those guys have more control. I think that'll come in the off seasons when we kind of make, like we'll say uh, Dylan Carlson for a young starting pitcher is more likely, I think, to happen then. So I think overall we did a good job. I'm okay with everything we did. I wasn't expecting like a, a crazy return for Paul DeYoung or Jordan Hicks, you know, so I'm happy. Yeah, I think I like what most of the Cardinals did too. And I agree. I would say that the only person that we traded that I viewed as having like a lot of trade value, well, I guess two people, I'd say um, Hicks and Montgomery both. But yeah, like I don't see, like Stratton is decent, but he's not incredible. DeYoung, I don't think has any value. Jack Flaherty, I don't think really had much value. So yeah, I agree. I like, I kind of like what we did. What about a winner for you, Ben? Um, I'm going to go my biggest winner as the Cleveland Guardians. Um, so they sold, but it was like a pretty controlled Guardians, like, um, you know, strategic sell that's going to like just make their big late roster so much better next year. And like maybe as early as September, you add maybe the top first base prospect um, for, you know, a pitcher who you really weren't going to have a spot for once you bring up all your young guys with Logan Allen um, and all the other top pitching prospects that they have when Shane Bieber comes back, et cetera. Um, and then they unload Josh Bell because they added this young first baseman and they get a guy who was a first round pick and a very highly touted player, um, when the Marlins drafted him and Khalil Watson, huge upside on this guy. And honestly, a change of system to the Guardians might be just what he needed. The Marlins have not been able to develop hitting. The Cleveland Guardians have been great with left-handed hitters and developing them. This kid's got tons of talent and has been a little better this year. So who knows? Maybe the Guardians will turn him around. 
kind of a nice snag for a guy in Josh Bell who I didn't think had a lot of value. Yeah, I agree. I'm curious, Ben. You haven't really mentioned many Cubs trades, and they did make a few. I'm curious what you think about how the Cubs did at the deadline. Um, I liked the the Candelario deal. Uh, gave up DJ Hers and Kevin Mate, um, both two of my like least favorite prospects in the Cubs top 30. So you know, I hate Kevin Mate. I don't. I always don't understand why he's ranked on our top 30s list. He's never hit, and I don't think he ever will hit. So I'm cool giving him up. And DJ Hers uh, could be a decent left handed pitcher. He walks too many guys and. I just don't think uh, he ends up as a starter. I think he's probably a bullpen guy with a nasty changeup. So I'm cool giving that up for Candelario, who could, who knows, maybe help us make the playoffs. I'm embarrassed here. Uh, what, what other trade did we make? Well, I guess I wasn't necessarily uh, just talking about trades that you made, but maybe trades that you didn't make. Well, I mean, it's all going to depend, right? Like, do we re-sign Cody Bellinger? Like, if we re-sign Cody Bellinger, right? I may be into it. But, like, also I feel like this is a situation where I might get fools golded and we sign Cody Bellinger to a 10-year deal and then he's just garbage again. Like, yeah, I can totally see that happening. Starts hitting 180 again. Yeah, so, like, I felt like it was kind of the perfect time to sell him. I think Stroman's value kind of plummeted because he's been getting lit up. So I think yeah, you keep Stroman, um, you sign him to an extension a little cheaper than you would have had to earlier in the season, um, and you deal Bellinger because I think his value might have peaked. I think that's just like would have been the smartest move, but you know who knows? You gotta like that they're kind of going for it. So whatever, and you know, another thing is if we sneak into the playoffs maybe it helps our chances signing Otani in the offseason if he sees us as a playoff team a young exciting team on the build that would be nice I mean that I think that that might go into the thinking here yeah um it looks like the other trade that I see you all involved with was a trade with the Royals you got Jose Cuas or and you traded uh Nelson Velasquez. Um, I don't know. Much know about nothing about the guy we got. Yeah. Okay. You also traded away Nelson Josh Rogerson. Nelson Velasquez, decent outfielder, been kind of up and down from AAA. Showing flashes, being really good, really hasn't had a spot. It's a forty-man spot for the Cubs, I guess, and the Royals actually get like a decent little outfielder there. I kind of like Nelson, but who knows the Royals, uh, everything they touch turns crap. So that's that true. You know. Well, I think we've pretty much talked about all of the, uh, all of the trades that we highlighted. I don't know if you all had any other trades you wanted to chat about before we, uh, sign off today. I think we, I think we touched on mostly everything. Do you guys got anything? I want a final thought. Doing one last thing. Yeah, yeah, Bansel, final thought. I think it was Bob Nightingale that tweeted this out, but he's after uh, Verlander went back to the Astros, 
he tweeted, is, is Verlander going to go into the Hall of Fame with an Astros hat? If he win, let's say hypothetically, they win the World Series this year and he retires, what do you think? Would he go into the Hall with an Astros hat or just, I'm assuming, the no hat? I would need to look. I'd need to look at the uh, season breakdown. My initial thought would be no. He does not go in with an Astros hat, though. I think Tiger's given the like his biggest accomplishment. Like, I think he's gonna be known most for. I think he's gonna be that triple oh, crown yeah. one. He won that. Mm-hmm. Like that's like the most notable part of his career. I would say. Like even with the championships. Plus, the Astros kind of a little bit of a smudge name, uh, even though he wasn't really involved in that at all. Like, you know. he was on the Astros in 2017. Yeah, I know, but like, he wasn't taking abs. Yeah, so, yeah, he was and with Detroit. He was when with Detroit for two years. When the cheating scandal came out, that was when he got Tommy John too. So he wasn't even around the Astros organization yeah, so he's pretty clean of it, but still the organization's got that little smudge. But Oh, I'm getting an ad right now. He does have two Cy Young awards with the Astros and a runner up finish too in the Cy Young. And then Didn't he have two Cy Youngs with Detroit? Yes. But he also had would have hypothetically two World Series with the Astros. And yeah, um, he, only had, he only had one Cy Young with Detroit, but he did have an MVP. Yeah, when he won. yeah, the triple crown and the MVP. Like, I feel like you're going with that. Yeah, yeah. I feel I think, like I at the very Detroit. least it would be no hat because you're talking two Cy Youngs and two World Series championships with an organization you would have pitched around. Like, was it six years for? That's only half as long as he pitched for Detroit, though. But World Series. Yeah. Yeah. It's maybe. a hat, but it's a picture of his wife instead of a team. Uh, <laughs> so Justin Verlander should go into the Hall of Fame. I think the big winner is Twitter today because there were some pretty solid uh, memes on Twitter where it was like that uh, Barstool Frank guy that's the big Mets fan. It was like when you find out that uh, Kate Upton's also leaving with Justin Verlander, it was him like freaking out and breaking a computer. <laughs> Yeah, who I guess does he decide what hat he goes in with, or how does that work? Yeah, the player decides. Yeah, the player decides. That's what I figured. Sometimes it's crushing. Greg Maddox went in with a Braves hat that hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I've seen a couple of players. I don't know. I I, I definitely remember seeing stories of like people choosing hats that are like kind of. Kind of uh, controversial. Well, Ben, you got any final thoughts before we uh, send it off? Um, no final thoughts. I don't want to go to work tomorrow. But alas, I will wake up and I will do just that. Yeah, I, uh, I don't mind the uh, not working life that I'm living right now. It's been... Uh, it's been nice for like the two. I feel like every day is Sunday, which is wonderful. I'm always like, ugh, like I'm not going to school. Like this morning, I woke up, it's a Tuesday, and I was like trying to remember like what church times there were. I was like, wait a minute. 
It's not Sunday. So I think every day is Sunday because I'm not going to work anymore, which is lovely. Why not Saturday? Uh, just because I feel like the weekend has been too long, you know? So uh, I feel like the weekend has got to be coming to an end. I do have one question for you before we end this podcast. For me? Yes. Okay, I'm going to get ready to click stop recording just in case you ask something. Uh, it's not anything. I don't know. I'm just, mess- I'm just messing with you. I'm not actually... Like I just on. would like an explanation for what I believe is four Bud Light cans and then a bottle of barbecue sauce right next to it. <laughs> and, and then you were also playing with an almost empty toilet paper roll. Um, yeah, so the toilet paper roll I'm using because uh, my arm is bleeding for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I've been wiping that up. Okay. The beer cans, I have been, I don't work anymore. So I've just been sitting playing video games all day. So that is is the beer cans next to me. And yeah. the barbecue sauce were for my uh, chicken tenders that I had for dinner today. Okay. I was curious if you were, like, maybe chasing the Bud Lights with barbecue sauce or something like that. And then, like, the toilet paper was if it didn't go down well or something. No. Just a little confused one, some clarification. Well, uh, I, I appreciate you uh, exposing my current lifestyle to the uh, podcast audience. Yeah, shout out Paul because I did send him a Snapchat of uh, all of that, and then he said LMAO. (laughs) (laughs) All right, shout out Paul. Um, It was a good show. It was a good show. Thanks everyone for uh, listening. Appreciate all sorts of uh, subscriptions, views. Um, It was a trade deadline. It was a trade deadline. I don't know how exciting it was. I think it ended up being a little bit more exciting than I expected, but. Definitely not the most exciting it could have been. All right. We will uh, see you next week. Chin music out.